give hi everyone we're going to give about 30 seconds just to let people funnel in so no one misses any key content for those of you who are here now i just want to say thank you so much for showing up today we are very very excited about our conversation with mindy i'm excited about my conversation with you <laughs> so exciting we've had so many of these conversations and we're always saying how we're going to record them. And now here we are. We're actually recording. It, so it's, it's an exciting day for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I always wished selfishly that we recorded them because I always leave with a deeper curiosity to, to, to look into something deeper or inspired and motivated. And, and then you'll go in and you'll look and, you know, those great moments and you just want to recreate that moment and sometimes when you record mm. something you can go back and you're like oh this it, i just needed that boost of inspiration so that's how our conversations mm. now i'll have something that's recorded i can go back to <laughs> i agree so yeah i'm very excited to get it started and looks like we're about a minute in so i'm gonna go ahead and get us introduced so welcome everyone to the intersection webinar this is episode five titled Rethinking Our Work to Create a Thriving Workplace. I'm your co-host, Marshall Kupkamore. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Source Wellness. And I am your fellow co-host, Jacob Aqua. I'm the Chief Mindfulness Officer of Source Wellness. And I'd just like to say to everyone, welcome to The Intersection. It's a Source Wellness webinar where we discuss the crucial intersection of DEI and W, discovering how diversity, equity, inclusion, mindfulness, and wellness support each other in an integrated approach that provides value in our personal and professional lives. So our mission as a company is to help other companies and organizations prioritize the well-being of their employees. Our goal is to help these organizations cultivate inclusive culture that helps all employees feel a greater sense of belonging, experience more meaning in their work, and drive positive change around organizational productivity and well-being. We do this by providing both professional learning and development programming and consulting to a variety of organizations. So in this episode, Mindy will first be leading us through a brief practice. Um, and now I'd like to just talk a little bit about Mindy's background and what we're gonna talk about in this webinar. So Mindy Hanku, she has a calling for people in creating healing workplace ecosystems. She spent 20 years as a people leader and HR advisor for primarily technology-focused companies. She guides organizational leaders to rethink how to thrive at work. Before her role as an HR consultant and as an advisor, she held the position of chief people officer at TCP Software and HR leadership roles at Spiceworks, Ziff Davis, HomeAway.com, BlackBud, and Expedia. Um, what we will be talking about in episode five of The Intersection is discussing trends and rethinking the future of work, the current landscape of DEI and well-being in the workplace, how mindfulness fits into the overall equation, where to start on this journey towards healing company cultures, and much, much more. So now, without any further ado, I'd like to hand it off to Mindy, and she's going to guide us through a practice to get us started. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Marshall and Jacob. It's such a pleasure to be here. All right. So for the guided practice, um, I like to do a body scan. And, and why I find that so important is, is as a, 
as we go throughout our day, often most of us are going from one Zoom meeting to the next and never getting a chance to check back in with ourselves. And we often get stuck in our head and we leave our bodies behind. And there's so much of our body that takes in 80% of the information of the world that we're in at the moment. And it actually is impacting what's going on in our head without us even knowing about it. So hoping that we can just take a moment to, to get checked back in with our body so that as you're listening to this um, webinar, you are fully present and able to, to really um, hear and be able to integrate what we're talking about and take it away um, back to your workplaces and hopefully just to create positive um, energy and impact in your even your personal lives. So if you want to take a, a deep breath and if you're seated, if you can sit down with me, that would be great. And if you want to, you can close your eyes or keep them open with me. I'll go ahead and close my eyes. And as we just like take a moment, Usually we feel that we're in our head. We take a moment to really breathe slowly in through our nose and out through our mouth and check in with our body slowly, starting at our neck, going to our shoulders. And as we start to scan down our body, if we notice anything that is tight, we can get curious about that. Don't need to change anything, but it's nice to be curious about what's going on there. Spend some time recognizing it, acknowledging it as we slowly start to get scanned further down the body, to our arms, our core, and our legs. If there's anything that as we are scanning down, we wanna go back to investigate a little bit further just being aware, just providing some care and attention, whatever feels good. Maybe, maybe breathing, maybe just recognizing and what that may need for support. As we come back up, we come back up to our, our neck and our head we come back into hearing what is surrounding us. So we closely start to open our closed eyes. We come back present into where we're at being together. And um, hopefully you feel renewed and, and grounded um, and ready for this great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was really wonderful. And it was good to come back to the body, you know, so much better day. I had to run to the airport today. So I was kind of on the move. And so even though I've been here, I haven't really fully been here. And so that that feeling of being settled in this moment was wonderful. And Lisa B says, thank you for setting us up for success. So thank you, Lisa. Um, awesome. Awesome. It's really interesting how when you ground yourself and become present, um, not a lot of people might see that as setting yourself up for success, but it really is because unless we're present, unless we're acknowledging and working with the present moment, there's nothing that we can do. There's no way for us to be truly effective. So thank you for that comment. That was really insightful. Um, so Mindy, what, I'd love to hear a bit about your past and some of your influences 
how did you get into this line of work and um, how did you get into just being interested in this? Yeah. <laughs> and it really started from a young age. I think I just naturally have always had, when you started out in my intro, a calling for people and, and making a positive difference. Because I think I saw, I grew up in a Dutch immigrant community in uh, Seattle, Washington, which I think is interesting because not everyone has the opportunity to do that. My great-grandfather lived to a very old age. I knew him. He passed away when I was five. And I heard him tell his story often about coming to the U.S. from the Netherlands and from Holland and talking about how he had to assimilate into the U.S. culture and um, how he had to quickly drop his language and, and give that up and give up his practices and, and how he regretted raising his children um, without the richness of that Dutch heritage and, and why the Dutch community within Seattle was so important to him was um, as a way to try and, and keep hold of that for them. And, and so I think that's where just inclusion and belonging and diversity of voice at a very young age became very important to me because I saw how my grandfather and my great grandfather were in outside of the Dutch community where they didn't feel like they belong and they had incredible insights to add, but they never really, really felt like they fit in. But when they came into the Dutch immigrant community, they came alive because they belonged and they had a voice. And I just thought it was sad that, that the rest of the world wasn't able to see that. Uh, so I think that had a really big impact on me. And that community is the one that it, we would help each other out. Like if something were happening and I happened to be uh, out of that community, the first um, child from a divorced family. And that community really came around my mom and me. There were times where we didn't know where we'd get our next meal and we'd have people dropping off food at our doorstep or um, taking us to a food bank. Um, and so that also had an impact I, and that's when I started to understand that there are people that didn't have anything. And so how can we be able to take what we have to help others and, and to be able to lean into community and to be able to say when you need help and, and how can we help each other and come together? And so community became very important to me at a young age. My mom always said I wasn't raised by her, but I was raised by the community. And she couldn't take credit for that herself. Uh, I think also when I started to go into university, all of these things guided me towards social work and wanting to take what I had done and be able to create the knowledge to create greater impact. And I was working with juvenile offenders um, in my uh, junior and senior year of college. And in working with juvenile offenders, I really started to see a common theme of how the adults in their communities were showing up in a, in a way that was, was less than. They, their, their own parents, the adults in the community, because they weren't themselves thriving or they themselves weren't able to understand their value and they did, were lacking self-worth, they were then not modeling that because these are things that need to be modeled for young people to be able to understand what does that mean for them in order in their journey of, of self-discovery. So I thought about 
and I, you know, in looking at data and common themes and looking at these adults and their workplaces, often you would find that these adults were working in workplaces where they were just a number, that they didn't feel like they added value, that there was a lack of appreciate, appreciation and recognition. They, they didn't have a voice. They weren't seen or heard. And you take that back into your community and it has an impact on your interactions with people. So I became very passionate about how can we create healthy, thriving workplaces so that people can leave work and go back into their lives, a better version of themselves and how that would have the positive ripple effects to improve communities and society. So that is in a nutshell, how I ended up in human resources and and where I am today. Wow. Uh, there's so so much to unpack from there. And um, also just on a personal note, so many similarities um, in our lives and between our stories. And uh, like, so my stepdad is Dutch. So I've spent some time in Holland growing up and, and I like Dankjewel and like some very basic Dutch words. Um, both of my parents or social workers uh, who had like very, very similar perspective to you and why they went into social work. And um, I knew, always knew from a young age, like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to help people. So uh, hearing your story is just so inspiring to talk to someone who's further along in her career than I am in mine, but to see so many commonalities and, um, you know, just know that it's really possible to make a difference. It's really possible to be passionate to show up in a way where you are living out your passion and to make meaningful impacts on people's lives. So thank you so much for sharing about your story and your background and your influences. Yeah, thank you. Jacob, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, it's just so wonderful, you know, having these experience of talking to you in the past and having the context of your background to know, you know, just knowing this background helps me understand you as a person, understand just the conviction that you have behind your work is is so there. The passion, the fire behind your eyes is so there. So um, it's wonderful to know um, this background and I appreciate you sharing. Thank you for the space. And so I'd love to ask now, so based on all the wonderful background that you just shared with us, um, can you talk a little bit about what it means to you to rethink our workplace so that we can create thriving workplaces? Yeah. Um, rethinking how we work for thriving is, is so important because often in the past, when we were looking at creating people initiatives, it was often done from a point of like process and administration. And uh, it was about like workflows. It wasn't putting the employee at the center of, of the process. It wasn't personalized. And and as we've learned and as we've, you know, evolved, and now is the opportunity to really start to use concepts like user-led design and, and agile to really think who, who, who are we, first of all, as a company? What is our culture? What, what makes us unique and different? And why would someone, what is the type of audience, what is the type of person that would thrive in this culture and, and want to, to be here and stay here? Because if we get really clear on what that is, that really helps us attract the right um, people that have the aligned values that are going to help us as a company succeed 
and really be able to speak our purpose, whatever that is, and connect with our customers and, and have um, greater profitability. And so in being able then to rethink and get really clear on what is our culture, what are those values, and then how do we bring those to life in everything that we're doing? How do we weave that in with the employee, with the people at the center that are going to be living and breathing these things and making the decisions and showing up every day? So what does success look like in that? And how do we make sure that we coach and, and train to that? And, and how are we creating even benefit plans that you can see our employees in the benefits. So if we have a multi-generational workforce, how are we meeting them at every stage of their life and that we're not making assumptions? So it could be easy to say we have uh, a large majority of 33-year-olds in our organization, so we must be offering um, parental leave. But that's assuming that 33-year-old women have children. <laughs> And, and so what are we doing to really take a step further beyond just the demographics to truly understand what is top of mind for our employees? What do they care about? Where are their needs? Where, where are they hurting? Where do they, where are, where is life right now? Where are they getting stuck? So we can create creative solutions that are truly built around them to support them in the times that matter most. Mm -hmm. There's so much more I could talk about. I, I was just in a benefits uh, uh, conversation earlier today. So I think that's uh, it's bleeding into our conversation <laughs> right now. No, it makes sense. And um, I heard you mention agile earlier, and I know that's a big part of what you do, a big part of your, um, I guess, like workplace methodology. So uh, would you mind talking a bit more about that? I think that could be really helpful for the viewers. Yeah. Um, what I love about agile is, in the past, before I knew about Agile, you, you would have a project and you would feel like you would have to take a period of time to be able to execute on all the phases before you're able to launch this project. And often it could be months after you originally talked with people and you have the waterfall effect. And, and by the time you're ready to deliver it, it's some, it would then not resonate. And you wonder, why is no one using this? It's because so much time has passed that things have changed and we didn't have the opportunity to check in with the audience or the people that this was going to impact along the way to get their feedback into the project. And so then you end up starting with the best of intent but ending in a very different place because you weren't connecting in a meaningful way with the very people that this was going to drive change for. So I, what I love about the Agile approach, it's about being able to connect with your end user, with your employees, your managers, whatever this initiative is impacting, your key stakeholders throughout, throughout in an iterative way throughout the process. So you're able to really break down, you understand where I'm at today, where's my desired future state, and how can I break down slices of value where I can, within a couple of weeks, start to meet someone's needs or create a change in behavior that isn't six months from now. It's actually two weeks from now. So I can actually put something out there that they can start to use and feedback on. And I can then take that feedback as I'm working on the next stage. So I'm creating and launching and continuing to build on and build momentum and what I love about this is that it is truly 
created by the employee for the employee because their voice is has the space to live and breathe within the creation of the initiatives that are then tying them back to the business strategy because everything we do should be building that culture and that workplace alignment between the people in our organization and the reason why we exist so to be able to be serving or creating something for some greater impact or purpose. Wow. So much there, yeah, so much right. there to talk about. And yeah, I, it excites me because really what a lot like your work really seems to be doing is just really focusing on how we can give these employees, these users, like you're saying, choice. And that that choice is the difference in whether or not we feel like a human or a machine, or at least that we're treated like that. And so that really just shifts the entire landscape, that ability to say, I am actually engaged in something that will affect my own life instead of just having it decided for you. And yeah. so that like design thinking approach really is exciting and makes me really glad Mar you can see Marshall and I are starting to grin and we're getting really excited about it. So yeah. And Marshall, do you have any thoughts as well? Yeah. I just want to say thank you for explaining all of that. It's such a breath of fresh air when you hear about organizations that are taking this not as hierarchical approach. Um, and it's really telling because just because somebody isn't in a C-suite position doesn't mean that their perspective on what their work life should look like is any less valuable. If anything, like the people who are higher up in the organization aren't as in touch and would be making policies or might be making policies that just don't apply to the people who they're being made for. And we see this as an issue pretty much across all levels of modern life, be it through government, through corporations, um, school systems and education. So I'm really happy that there are people like you who are out there taking a different approach, making sure that the people who are being impacted are the people who are empowered. Mm. There's so much that you said there that I could even <laughs> talk for another hour on. I can imagine. <laughs> I, like, like you said earlier, I always love our conversations and I'm glad that we're finally recording this because I know I'm definitely not internalizing everything that you're saying. So I will go back. I'll, I'll fast forward over the parts where I'm talking and <laughs> just focus on the parts where you're talking. I think what I love, Marshall, about what you're saying is you may have an organization where you have an incredible leader and they don't feel that they're able to impact change or that th there's a lot of uncertainty in an organization. Maybe the leaders are separate from. And if you have a really good leader, there are things if we take a step back and just understand, well, what can I control in this environment? There's always something we can control. And I think managers forget that. And this, this approach, this way of thinking, this mindset is in, it empowers managers to be able to think, oh, how, what can I control? I can control my own team meetings. I can give autonomy to my teams. I can set clear direction using my knowledge and my expertise and be able to provide at least some sense of stability for my team and being able to create what does success look like for my team members in order to be able to move forward when it may seem that 
everything's uncertain or scary and we're up against things that are greater than us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just something important to, to remind people that if, you, if you're too small, if you're a small organization and you don't have an HR business partner, these are things that any manager, like even our line managers would be able to use these concepts to, to make their team health better. So then I'd love to ask from your perspective, and you're so involved in reimagining the future of workplaces, um, I'd love to hear the direction that you can see the future of work taking um, based on some current trends that you might be aware of or some of the research that you might be aware of. Definitely around personalization of, of designing, of really creating that flexibility, inclusivity, and support of the employees. Not so much making decisions based off the higher level demographics that our employees have within our HIS system, but really being able to, through digital transformation, even be able to give the tools and resources to our employees in which they are then in the driver's seat. And and they're able to be able to select, well, what is a support that I need? What is the question that I have? And be able to give that to them, even within the flow of work. So you start to see um, chatbots, uh, such as, uh, I love uh, MeeBeeBot, which it helps, you know, you have employees everywhere. They don't have an HR person sitting right next to them. They may have questions through, let's say they're about to have a new baby and they need to change their benefits and they have some really important questions and it's late at night and their partner is asking them so they can go in Slack to MeeBeeBot and ask these really important questions and get answers right away in their own time zone and get points pointed maybe to a 24-7 phone number that they'll be able to call that could help them. And and this is just a way of being able to streamline and and automate um, and centralize information. So many workplaces are so disconnected and and employees just have a hard time being able to get to the information that they need. They can't even get simple answers. And in small companies, you know, you see there's not enough people like the small businesses are often overlooked. There's not the enough tools and resources for them to be able to utilize to support employees in the way they need. So even solutions like maybe bot just to even help um, be able to provide employees that level of support around consistent communication and being able to get answers questioned or sorry, questions answered is um, really important. So I, in answer to your question, it's like digital transformation. It's about personalization of, of benefits and of solutions with employees at the center. And I think people are starting to really see the need um, for small, medium businesses. And a lot of our solutions are built for enterprise. And so I think we're starting to see um, a healthy trend towards people starting to think about how can we better support our small, medium business um, owners. Thank you for that. Um, I was at a art gallery the other day and I saw, so Basquiat, before he became Basquiat was Samo and he would write these poems around New York City. And um, I saw one of them and it said uh, like an end to mass produced individualism. Mm. And when, what you're saying here is like 
you know, really bringing it back to a place where we're focusing on the individual. We're focusing on people as people, not people as, uh, sorry, the, the dog distracted me for a sec. Um, but not, you know, not looking at this, this mass produced individualism, like actually looking at an individual as an individual, understanding each other's common humanity, understanding that I have different feelings than you might have, but fundamentally we have fears, we have insecurities, we have things that make us happy. We have love in our hearts and love for others and are loved by others. And once we can really stop and see each other as fully human, um, I think that's a really big place where, you know, that can start to be where the work environment is reimagined from that, that place of common humanity. Very well said. Thank you. Um, and uh, so Jacob, before I move on to another question, is there anything you'd like to add? I'm just curious on to think about, you know, how mind, when mindfulness and, and wellness enter the equation. I mean, wellness is everything that you've been talking about. Um, when we look at DEIMW, I'm always curious, you know, how does mindfulness fit into this equation in, in your experiences in your work so far? My, my dogs have some thoughts on that. <laughs> um, so, wow. So just taking a step back is with diversity, equity, and inclusion, often this can become a checklist for organizations or a target number. And I often, and or as one person owns it. And, and what are we doing to rethink that and how we approach that? Because it needs to be a focus, but how does it become all of our focus? And how do we even have, I always like take a step back too and think, have we created a safe foundation for these things to even thrive? Do we have psychological safety? Do we even have trust? Do our do we even have the um, coaching and equity of individual, you're saying humans, to be able to understand and support the individuals within their awareness? I think often we um, jump and, and we talk about like biases, but it's in such general terms that it, it, it's missing the bit of awareness and, and being able to work with the individual to understand what does this mean for me? What, what are my own biases? How are these showing up for me? How do I create my own intelligence and awareness so that when I then go into these trainings, I then understand where I am at today in order to understand where's a desired future state for myself and then be able to utilize the tools that are available in the right ways to create the right change in behavior to start to work towards that desired future state as an individual. Um, because the individual, we need to work on ourselves first and then then the team health happens out of that, right? Because we can no longer, we can't connect with people in, in teams if we're not even connected to ourselves. And I find often in today's world that people are not connected to themselves. They, they may think they are, but there is a level of disconnection. And th this is good to the healing aspect. And are we creating that space for people to be asking themselves these questions to create the level of awareness, to take it out of our subconscious, to be able to understand where are those gaps for myself? Where am I getting stuck? And why is that? So that when, so now I can now enter into a conversation with someone else because I know where I'm starting 
and where they're coming from? And then how can we then find common ground to even meet and, and create a space to hold a conversation about our unique perspectives and, and, and what it is and how do we lean into that and move forward to find synergy and commonality um, in order for that psychological safety team dynamics to be successful and be at the level they need to be. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's it's so powerful how this re rethinking, this reimagining of how people connect to themselves, how people can maybe slow down or heal, whatever that healing process looks for, is is not never something that we've seen traditionally in our society. As you go to work for that, that's something that you experience at work, and so this re. But at the same time, I, I believe this is so central to who we are as human beings. So why was it ever disconnected in the first place? Like we, we need to, we're, we're it's a coming back to ourselves process. And there's no reason because we spend so much time of our lives at work, it makes sense that we're taking this time to connect back to ourselves. And so that everything that we do can just overall be more harmonious. And so that really inspired me and um, to think about what you're saying. So thank you. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, you know, our diversity, equity, inclusion, the programs that are really successful are starting out from a place of self-awareness for all employees equitably, not just with leaders or managers. Cause often sometimes you'll see organizations just target our leaders and our managers. But if we're not having that level of awareness occur with the employee, then that's it, it's a, it's really difficult. You're going to definitely see positive movement, but how much more positive movement would we see if we we had this level of awareness for everyone? And that's really why. So we've developed a eight week mindful DEI training program, and we really spend a lot of time focusing on the component of mindfulness, on cultivating self awareness, so we can learn how to connect with ourselves. So that we can learn how to you know, manage our impulses as well. So uh, we're aware of what's going on inside of us. We're aware of what's going on around us. And like we talked about a bit earlier, only when you're aware of the present moment, can you start to act with effectiveness. Only when you accept the present moment, can you act with effectiveness. So thank you for really talking about that self-awareness piece. And because um, it's so, so crucial for people's DEI journeys, but so often it's not acknowledged and you know, that's really the whole point of this webinar to talk about the intersection of DEI, mindfulness and wellness. So people see just how important it is to start to merge these concepts together. I mean, very well said, Marshall. And, and to be well, we need to start from a place of healing. And healing is a constant, a constant, we never stop healing. We're always working towards evolving and healing and and then we can be well we but often wellness programs assume that those things have already happened and we skip it and we get to wellness but the healing has to happen and it's not easy and it's really difficult and you take a whole bunch of messy humans in a workplace and and lean into healing together wow then then a lot of then that's when you start to unlock some incredible conversations, incredible diversity, equity, inclusion spaces, and then then we're actually able to hear from our employees, and they then get to feed into what are the next steps as an organization that we 
could think about making. So I'm loving what you're saying about healing coming before wellness. And um, could you talk a bit more about that, please? Yeah. Um, you know, we all come, we, we all come with our different backgrounds and our different um with our lives <laughs> and then we go into a workplace and we just automatically start to, to focus on the work um, diversity equity inclusion the wellness initiatives and, and and that's where that level of self-awareness right and if we're stuck in something and we haven't done the have or taken the proper time to really to, to heal that part and I think, you know, we find this in other countries where you have a lot more support around people taking leave. And, and you know, when you do become aware of something or, you know, life, unexpected things happen that can create um, can create a moment of, I hate to use the word trauma because <laughs> I think it's overused, um, but unexpected things can happen and it can shift, it can shift your life. And if we aren't given the time to be able to really lean into what that means. And instead, if we just go jump right back into work, we're not truly, we're not truly doing the work that we need to do. And then we're carrying that around with us. And then it's all these like moments of all these moments of things happening. I heard someone say today, burnout was, is just the accumulation of moments of disappointment even. And so even moments of disappointment, what are we doing to heal those moments of disappointment? How are we having the right conversations with the people that we messed things up with? We created, um, we somehow harmed each other. And so how are we creating a framework for healthy conversations within our organizations to even when we mess things up with each other, to even lean into that together, to be able to understand our intent and our perception and to be able to acknowledge and own where we messed up and in order to be able to then um own that and apologize and together figure out, you know what, I missed that. I, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. I had no idea. How, how What can we do differently next time to, to make this better? That for me is healing. And then the outcomes of that are well-being. And then, and then well-being then are those healthy behaviors that we start because we're changing our behavior, right? And we're realizing because, oh my goodness, I messed that up. I never, I didn't realize I had this behavior. I need to change it. So now I am taking the steps to create a new healthier behavior, which then the result is well-being. And I would just love to ask, um, how do you see the difference between mindfulness and well-being? Because I know those terms are used pretty interchangeably, but um, in the, what you just said, it kind of sounds like you have a clear distinction between the two. Yeah, because mindfulness, we have it goes back to even like our opening, our opening practice. Mindfulness is in with the healing, and and the connection and the intention. Because if we're not mindful, we're missing these moments of disappointment. We're missing where where life has injured us. We're missing um, an interaction with someone that wasn't the best, and we're just moving on. But really, it did hurt us. <laughs> and but if we're mindful, 
then we, oh, you're like, oh, I, I, now I can feel that in my body. I'm aware of that. I should have a conversation. I should go ask a question. Hey, you know, when you said that, can you help me understand where was that coming from? You know, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt, but at least you're taking the moment to ask the question. So it's not like building up over time, right? So I think mindfulness helps us be able to um, be grounded and be able to see the moments that are happening. You can't catch all of them, but if we were to catch more of them than we are right now, We'd have so much help. We'd have so healthier. We have we would have healthier interactions within our communities, within our workplaces, and once again, that's well-being. And then the, all those benefits and all those things that help maintain the well-being. Um, that they maintain the well-being, but the healing, the healing is different than the well-being because we're not well without the healing. And mindfulness, I hope, thinks move us and makes us aware of where the healing needs to happen for us to be well. So it sounds like well-being is really, it's almost kind of, we can think of it like a verb. It's, it's something that you do. It's very action-oriented. It's not this like static thing that, you know, now I've entered well-being. It's like a process that we yeah. have to keep up and we have to maintain. Yes. Yes. Mm. And and that may look different for each person, you know, these practices, these new ways of behaving, which is why in organizations, we need to provide different tools and resources for well-being to support the unique individuals within our workplaces. Because um, what's well-being for one person may not be for another. Um, one person headspace may be the um, well-being resource tool that helps them maintain those healthy practices for them. For another person, it may be naps and, and maybe it's a nap reminder. And because we're all each unique individuals, that well-being and to support those ongoing practices, what we each need could be different. So true. Uh, at Source Wellness, we're, we're big nap fans, uh, <laughs> big proponents of napping and resting. Um, and we try not to look at rest and napping as a tool for productivity. Um, but like undeniably in my own experience with naps, it's really improved my well-being. It's improved my focus. It's improved my ability to um, work harder and just be more productive. But with our company being focused on what it's focused on, you know, promoting DEIMW, uh, I really see, you know, if I am striving for higher levels of productivity, it's really for the well-being of others. And um, yeah, it's coming coming from like a place of deep care for the well-being of others. Uh, so I, I definitely hear you when you're saying that well-being and wellness practices look different per individual. And um, kind of coming back to what you were talking about before, how things need to be personalized. Um, there is such an emphasis nowadays in particular, and it's not wrong at all, that we need to focus on the systems because individuals are going to be outweighed by the systems almost every single time. But we can't forget that systems are made out of individuals. And we can't forget that if people and individuals are not healed, then they're not going to be able to come together to build a system of healing. Um, if individuals are going through the process of healing and are healing themselves, then that's when we will be able to build these ecosystems of healing. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Mm -hmm.
Oh, thank you. This is, this is so insightful. Thank you so much for having me here. So exciting. Yeah, Marshall keeps saying everything I'm going to say. It's like having a, a right-hand man. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, just the ideas of how with communities of care, it's like, I felt like every time we were talking about well-being, it was, it was clear that like it, you can definitely have personal well-being, of course, but well-being doesn't happen unless you're in community. And so I really think like these businesses are communities, whether we, we think they are or not, they, they are. And so to set up these intentional communities of care, these systems of care, um, like you, you both have been talking about is just so important and how with self-awareness, with mindfulness, it's just like the smallest things that we notice, how we're moving through space, how we're being perceived, um, really all goes into moving with a more compassionate heart. And so it's just exciting hearing about the importance of communities of care and how we are all part of that. Um, and we are all connected to that community of care. So if we really set up these systems, then things will be better, hopefully. I hope so. That's yeah. the hope. Often people are like, Mindy, you are in utopia. <laughs> And I was like, I get it, but I, you need to understand what could be in order to see how far away we are from that and to have the awareness and understanding of the gap and the pain points to then help us be able to see, well, what can we do? What can we control? What, what are the steps we can take to get towards there? Because we can't jump to it. Um, we have to find what what is that one thing that we can start doing. I think people often will listen to things like this and or these type of conversations and they get overwhelmed. And they're like, what, are, what, what can I do? I, I want this, but it feels so unattainable. Um, and I, I think we, we need to have the inspiration, the vision, because if we don't have the vision, then are, are we finding that right one thing to do next that's going to get us in the right direction of that vision? We need to understand what is that future state to make sure that the decisions that we're making are moving us towards where it is that we intend to go to. And so I think that's why it's so important for conversations like this to start painting what does successful future state look like and understand, yeah, we know we're not there yet, but we're working on it. And, and now we have some good ideas of like, what kind of, what is like some questions that we, if we're not currently asking our employees, that's a great next step. Let's start talking to our employees. What, what do they care about? Who are they? What are they struggling with? Where we can look at our exit conversations. We can look at, at the, some of the things we currently are doing and where are we missing the mark and take a step back and, look at all of that and kind of then help inform what is that that next best step maybe it's a focus group maybe it's talking with people and showing them the the results of the analysis that you've done and helping them feed back into it making sure that you have the right assumptions and 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 correcting that and um and then being able to, I think that one thing, just doing one thing, you may fail because it's your first time, right? And it's okay. It's okay to 
it's okay that you might not get it right, but you're driving value, I'm sure, for a handful of people at a minimum. But then you can take the feedback from those people and say, okay, what is what are we going to change? How are we going to iterate on this? And then next time you're going to deliver more value and more value and it'll just keep getting better and better. But we have to be comfortable with stepping into the unknown and, and being comfortable with the uncomfortable in order to start to have these conversations to inform that next step. Otherwise, we aren't ever going to take it. And we're just going to have excuses and we're just going to continue to do what we're doing and we're never going to progress, which I often, it's sad. And many people end up choosing that path um, because of that fear of the uncertainty. That's so true. So I'd like to ask you, what are some ways or practices that you know that people can help to maybe start to overcome this fear of uncertainty and start to you know, accept that like failure is a part of life, but understanding that, you know, there will be times that you don't, you know, conventionally succeed. There will be times when you can draw lessons. So I was wondering if you can share some practices or tips or techniques for people to kind of get over that fear a little bit, at least enough to help propel them to action. Yeah. The first is to understand where is the place of fear coming in you? I think it, you, you, it's just taking a step back and understanding if if you are sensing fear or uncertainty or or a lack of like what's next. Like what? How am I? I myself maybe holding myself back. Maybe something happened when I was in earlier in my career and I tried something and. And something in that moment happened and I've been carrying it with me. And now it causes me to have a lack of confidence around certain things. And it maybe it's around a certain topic. Like maybe there's other things that you drive forward, you go into the uncomfortable all the time, but it's around this one space. But we don't know unless we take a step back and really th- and reflect on, hey, what, what's going on right now? What might be holding me back here? I need to understand this. Sometimes it requires talking to someone else. Sometimes our, some of our closest friends might be able to help us or, you know, get feedback from a mentor or someone within our network to be able to kind of say, hey, I've been seeing this. I really want to do this, but I, for some reason, I'm hesitating to take that next step and to be able to get out of our own heads and be able to think, hey, have you done things that you've seen be successful? Because usually someone's tried it. You're not the first one to be doing this. And sometimes you just need to be able to see how other people have done it, talk with other people and, and figure out, oh, oh my goodness, I can do that. You can find someone and you're like, oh, that's easy. I never thought about that before. But we have to get outside of our own heads and we have to understand what might be holding us back so that when that person in our network gives us that that great idea, we have that open mindset to actually hear them and allow their experience and their story to take root within our brain um, to be able to initiate that next step. Those those are like the two key things (laughs) that I always say. And, you know, a lot of times it's our mindset. And so the book by Carol Dweck, it's a classic, Growth Mindset, 
often I have found is a great place to start. It just, I've had so many managers and employees come to me and I'll have them start with that book and they'll often push back. They want to go to the steak and I'm like, no, we can't eat the steak yet. We've got to start with the baby food. And they come back and they read that book and almost everyone is, Mindy, you are so right. Like I would have read, I would have had that steak book and I wouldn't have gotten it. And I would have probably just, uh, just shut it down and said, there's no way. But now that I read this book, now I have some analysis of where I'm coming from. I understand my hesitation. Now I'm ready to think about something greater. Now I am in the right mindset to go eat the steak, to take on that greater book. That's so profound. Yeah, that book growth mindset is really helpful for me. Um, And there's also this TED Talk that I found really interesting about this guy who I think it's called something like what 100 days of rejection taught me um, where his whole thing was, you know what, I'm just going to do at least one thing every single day that I know people are going to say no to. Um, So he said he went to, to, I think, to a security guard uh, at a building that he was going into checking into. Um, And then after he checked in, he's like, hey, can you give me $20? Security guard was like, no. He's like, okay, bye. (laughs) It's like, you know, just doing getting accustomed to that like and then what would happen is you know sometimes you go and you ask like you go to a restaurant and you say do you have any like free stuff that I could have and they're like yeah let me go check and um then they'll just go ahead and give you some some biscuits or something so you never know like what you could accomplish even if you think that uh something might not work out for you you never know how you could grow you never know how life might turn out if you take that leap of faith if you you do that thing that might you know, when you feel that self-awareness within yourself, that that knot in your stomach or um, those kind of like anxious butterflies in your stomach, that's oftentimes a sign that you're doing something that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. It's going to push you to your growth edge. um, And that hopefully could, you know, benefit those around you as well. I I love that. Yeah, because often people are just afraid of the ask. So I love like trying out an ask that has no tie to your performance or your pay or that's that's brilliant i think another book that i love that is recent is the um book by brene brown around um atlas of the heart and just the level of knowledge that you walk away with around just your own emotional intelligence and we, we, we walk, most people, her research shows only know how to identify three emotions. It's like anger, sad, and glad. And after reading this book, you have such a unique perspective on a, a fuller vocabulary of emotion than you did entering into it. And, and I felt so much more connected to myself after that book and then being able to hold better conversations because I was articulating the words in a better way. And she even said, we sometimes, because we don't understand the power of words, that if we are just, if we're just anxious about something, but we say that we're fearful, fearful is a much, is a bigger word than just anxious. But if we've identified the feeling incorrectly as fear, then our body reacts as if it is actually fear even though you're not really afraid wow (laughs) it's a pretty powerful book absolutely 
Are there any other resources that you'd like to recommend to people via books, videos? Um, I mean, for rethinking, Adam Grant right now is my huge uh, champion of rethinking. He just reframed his podcast series to be about rethinking, and it is all tied back to his book, Rethink. So that one I highly recommend if you haven't had a chance to read it. And another one is Simon Sinek, Infinite Mindset. Um, I absolutely love. And then Uvon Chouinard's um, Let My People Go Surfing. Can you tell us a little bit about that last one? I love that title. Yeah, it's yeah. a very <laughs> title. Uvon Chouinard is, man, he's an incredible founder of Patagonia. And mm. he started with a clear purpose which was the profits of the company going to save the planet. And yeah, he also put his people first. So he's big on key stakeholder management. So he uh, back he started his company back in the seventies. He was one of the first companies that started to put in daycares um, for employees to think about childcare and parental leave um, before anyone else was doing it. And, and so it's, it's a book about how do you truly build a purpose-driven organization that impacts um, your customers, your people, the planet, um, everyone. <laughs> it's, uh, and then even just a couple weeks ago, he gave away um, the company to a nonprofit so that even beyond his lifetime, the company will continue to be able to deliver on its purpose. So the book is... It just takes infinite mindset and shows you some tactical and practical ways um, to incorporate that into your workplace. That's really incredible. And also Patagonia, such a big name, such a big company. Uh, really, really cool. And I see that we're running low on time. I just want to open it up to the audience. Are there any questions that you'd like to ask Mindy before we uh, end the stream and just wait for a few seconds to see if anything comes in through the chat. Let people go surfing. Yeah, we've been working pretty hard at Source Wellness to uh, try to make sure that we're putting people first and that, you know, if people in our organization are going through something difficult that we're all as empathetic as possible, holding as much space as possible for their well-being um, and for our own well-being. So it's it's just a, it's really a practice that has to be maintained day after day. Rest and naps. <laughs> Definitely part of the equation. That's, the, that's part of the ethos for sure. No one has any questions? I don't see any questions coming up right now. Okay. Oh. Did anyone just come up? Oh, no. I think that this was just so in-depth and profound that not really any questions left. <laughs> no need for any questions. Everything was answered. Everything was answered. Well, if anyone does have any questions and would like to reach out, I am happy to connect with anyone or um, answer questions on LinkedIn. And also, Wendy, if you'd like to share um, a website for work that you're doing or your contact information, I think that would be a great time to do that. 
Yeah. So I am Melinda Honkoop on LinkedIn. And um, my personal email is mindyhoncoop at gmail.com. And I don't yet have a website, but that is something that will be coming in the near future. I just started my um, LLC called Agile in HR. So something to keep an eye out for. Congratulations. I remember one of our last conversations you were talking about, you needed to start an LLC. So it's great to hear that you took that step. I did. I did. I stepped outside my comfort zone. There you go. A little growth mindset right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to be here today with um, you and Jacob. We're so honored and so touched that you take the time to talk to us today. Uh, yeah, we really just want to say thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who took the time to listen into this conversation. Uh, we hope that it was as enriching for you all as it was for us three. Thank you so much, Marshall. And I, I, I love that you're making a difference in workplaces. So I hope uh, people reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing. Because a lot of what we talked about today, you guys are the experts and you're helping organizations rethink and make these things happen. Well, we Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, Mindy, it's been absolutely wonderful. And another, another great conversation. This one's in the book. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 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 Thank you guys. Yeah, well, take care, everyone. Thank you so much. Next month, we have our the intersection webinars at the end of every single month. And we also repost these conversations as podcasts, uh, which you can find on our website. And um, we will include a link as well. So thank you, everyone. And we're going to end the broadcast now. Awesome.